Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Happy President's Day. And with me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining me this week, the cat dad himself, Lavender Gooms. Also, the cat champ himself. Let's also remember that. You, you got it almost right, starting with a nickname with a C. But let's remember, either cat champ, champ. El Campeón, Le Champion, all right? So we have a few different options you can go with. You're not using any of the pre-approved how ones yet. The, how, about, how about we use the other word We're for cat and put the word champ after that? Huh? <laughs> not sure exactly what you're getting at here. Uh, um, We're running a anyway. classy podcast, not necessary. <laughs> anyway, Le Champion as always, on February 19th, wishes you all a happy National Arabian Horse Day. Boo! National Lash Day. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your audience. You got to do that. <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I didn't know there was an issue with Arabian horses. Well, you said the word Arabia. Your audience have a problem. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, happy National Lash Day. And as always, a happy National Chocolate Mint Day. Oh, that's a shitty one right there. What? Oh man, I love some chocolate mint ice cream. So I don't mind mint in general, but I don't think it's added to any one of my fucking desserts. Not once. Just my two cents. Anyway, um, all right, guys, gonna be a very busy show. Uh, we got to talk about UFC 298 in the books out of Anaheim, California, the Honda Center, fucking packed to the rafters, 18,000 people. It's a lot of people. Uh, Monday Night Raw is there right now uh, with 13,000 people, uh, and that's a sellout with 13,000 people for Monday Night Raw. The UFC got 18,000 in there, which means that Monday Night Raw set is real big. That's what that tells you, Mike. That's a big set they got. <laughs> they get up 5,000 seats. Um... Ilya Taporia, for months, really laid his nuts out there, folks. Really, <laughs> you know, that Instagram bio has said featherweight champions since, like, November. Um, man went out there, uh, lost the first round on, I think, all three judges' scorecards, um, which was very, very close first round, though. Um, second round, still close, but I think most people say that was not winning it, necessarily. Volk was starting to touch him a bit didn't matter all this shit doesn't matter because uh Taporia knocked him into the land of fucking wind and ghosts um alex made the mistake got up against the face against the fence on Ilya. Ilya unleashed in a murderous combination mark and it's all you fucking need when you hit like a mac truck uh what do we see from our new georgian slash spanish champion uh yeah we you know we saw a slight adjustment from a, a fight we saw earlier in the night the jeff neal ian geary fight where Jeff Neal in that fight was able to pressure Ian against the cage really often and was able to land some good shots. But when he landed those shots, he always ended up in the clinch. And, and the difference here is when Ilya 
was able to pressure him and he threw like a basically a four punch combination where none of those punches really landed but he kept the distance he stayed in the pocket and when alexander you know went to try to clinch up with him he landed you know a big overhand right Volk didn't see it coming and with that kind of power that was curtains right there um it, it was it was stopped as quickly as part the referee could get in there but it almost seemed like he kind of let Ilya get a couple extra shots but he was done like there was he was slumped over that fight was was finished and a really impressive performance too i mean alexander was doing pretty good you could tell he was a little hesitant to get in the pocket and exchange. A lot of his strategy was throwing kicks from the outside to the body, to the head, to the legs. He really wanted to control that outside range and not make it easy, easy for um, Ilya to get inside. Um, and ultimately, we know why. When the I guy mean, gets in the pocket, like yeah. he has murderous hooks to the body and to the head. And, and Alex also, it, so. a guy known for movement and stance switching and really being one of the more cerebral fighters we've ever seen. Um but yeah, um, we got ourselves a young fucking potential superstar here, guys, because I don't know if, uh, Mike, if a lot of Americans are appreciating how big of a deal this young man already is overseas. Um, I mean, 3.1 million followers already on Instagram. He posted some video of pretty much every Spanish prominent sports figure that, like, People would know, wishing him good luck. Like, Iker Casillas, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. Fucking Sergio Ramos. Rafa Nadal was in there. There was so many people hyping this young man up. Um, Sergio Ramos, like, the closer for the Giants? No. That was Sergio Romo. Oh, okay. Partly making my point a little bit on access accident there, but one of the greatest Spanish soccer players of all time right there, Sergio Ramos. Um who actually came to Ilya's last fight, too. Um, this young man's going to be a big deal. And Real Madrid, the sad for me to say, the best soccer club in fucking Spain, um, talking about this man coming and playing a stadium and fighting in a stadium at, El Bern at Bernabeu. Uh, this would be fucking sick, to be honest. Um, this is what they've been waiting for, Mike. Um, I guess. I don't even know how much UFC had Spain on their roster. Um, but we got ourselves a young, good-looking kid who's knocking people out, um, who dresses well, and I, I, you speak the language. I'm not sure if you've heard any of this man's, like, shit talk in Spanish, um, but it's, man is very good with words. <laughs> He's very good with I, words. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard any of the, um... And when I was uh, watching the fight earlier today, I did think, I'm pretty sure this is Spain's first UFC champ ever. So I got to assume that's a, that's one reason why he's probably a pretty big deal. Um, I, I honestly, um, I knew he was a good fighter and I started hearing murmurings of, oh, like he, he might be like the next Connor. But besides that, maybe I've just been slacking, but I haven't really follow too much about Saporia. Uh so I'm kind of surprised that he's this big a star in Spain. Um considering that it's a pretty, you know, soccer crazy country like most of Europe. So I guess it's a good boon for the UFC that he's such a big I don't want to say he's a big European star, but he's a big star in Spain at least. I mean he seems like he's a big star already because I mean Mark, I'm not sure if you heard this story, but his contract was up at the end of twenty twenty three. And Hunter Campbell, the guy who, like, 
I think he's like the COO of the UFC or something. I was like running actual business in the UFC. Um, got on the plane and flew to Spain to re-sign this kid, which I don't imagine a lot of people get that treatment. So clearly they see a lot in him. Um, and we'll have to see where it goes from here. I know people were trying to be like, oh, you know, his like the press conference. He didn't, you know was an L for him. And I'm just like, people are trying to read into the fact that this dude in his third language that he speaks, you know, maybe didn't get the best of like Volk, who apparently, by the way, Volk, we learned this week is a goddamn comedy genius. Um, We talked about it last week, Mike, was it at first? The video of old man Volk. Did you, Mike, that was last. Yeah, that was a little, was that last? That was, I think you mentioned press conference uh, during the week. No, press conference was during the week. I think the video came out. At the press yes. conference, though, I mean, God bless him, Mark. You saw this man. Like, he fell asleep uh, or acted like he was asleep. And Paulo Costa came and woke him up. Um, I don't I mean, let's just get into it. Do we. How long till this man should fight again? Let's put it like that. He's been knocked out twice in the last five months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alexander. Yeah. Sorry, Alexander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think definitely after the Islam fight. Not only because of the nature of the knockout, but what he said after about, you know, how he wasn't like really prepared and how he kind of struggles outside of fight camp to have that kind of focus. It, it would seem like he probably doesn't want to wait very long. Right. Um, I think he said that, you know, I don't. And again, like he got knocked out, but I don't think he sustained like a lot of other damage besides the CTE from that knockout punch. Um, so it is tough. And, you know, I think they're kind of hedging that they might do a rematch, too. Which, I mean, is warranted because of, you know, what Alexander has accomplished. And it seems like he wants that fight as well. Um, it's a dangerous fight for him, right? Because I do think if they do fight again, I think Ilya, you know, the result is going to be more or less the same. Um, and that's kind of tough to have three, not just like, these weren't TKOs. Like, these were knockouts. Like, these were, dude was separated from his consciousness. And, I mean, I can't remember the Islam knockout as well. I don't remember if he was fully out and took un, unanswered blows. I mean, he got head kicked. But this and, was... I think he was out. He got head kicked and got club, clubbed. And but fell over. I think he was done, done. Like, that was... Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about we we're talking about two times where the guy is basically gone unconscious and then got hit in an unconscious state. I think you can start to feel like, well... Maybe he needs a bigger break, or he definitely needs needs to fight someone that maybe isn't going to wallop him as badly. Um, I think I, don't he, know, I think you know? he deserves obviously. This way, let me put it like this: I think his next fight, if he wants it, should be for the featherweight title. I don't think that's Ilya's next fight, though. I don't think Ilya's next fight is Volk. I think this guy needs to like go home for a bit. Um, I think he needs. Man, that thirty-five and older status. It's it's just staring at you guys. I mean, 100, 170 pounds and below, it's just Tyron Woodley. He did it twice. Below 170 pounds, no one's done it on the male side. And on the female side, Amanda did it. And Raquel did it. That was it. These This sport turns over so fast, guys. A lot of fans I saw like who are like newer UFC fans, this was like one of their first experiences of like watching the the standard bearer of a bit, like maybe the best pound for pound fighter in the world the last couple of, like last four or five years, if not number one, top two, three. And watch age just get to him. So a lot of people not experienced with this, but we've all seen it for years, man. Eventually, eventually it just happens. It happens to everybody. And when you're that small and those weight class and those weight classes, speed is at a premium. 
And when it goes, it goes. Um, next opponent for this man, Mike. I I want Yair. Because the UFC fucked up. And Max Holloway's... People are high, by the way. They're like, well, Max Holloway fights Justin. Maybe he can turn it around quickly. No human being has ever fought Justin Gaethje and been okay for the next five months at least. Okay? You can watch a whole photo gallery of people getting fucked up in Justin Gaethje fights, even in the ones they win. I want Yair Rodriguez versus Ilya Tapuria. They don't like each other. Yair called him a bitch a bunch of times last week. It was hilarious. Um, a T-City would be cool, too. Brian Ortega would be cool, too. Winner of that fight, though, Mike. That's what I want. What do you want? <laughs> well, that would be a great fight, but we also got to hold our horses on that one because Yair still has a fight that he has to win. And going back to Volkanovski, um, he has had two knockouts in a row. Um I actually stayed and listened to some of the uh, commentary in the booth uh, after the fight was over. I think it was either Bisping or Rogan that said, I think it may have been Bisping, who said it would behoove him to take some time off, um, heal up from whatever injuries, speculating maybe he wasn't fully recovered from the Mahachev fight. Um I think when he comes back, uh, he is entitled to get uh, an immediate title shot. Maybe not a rematch, because who knows if Tapura will have the title then. But I think that's the case when it comes to Volkanovski. When it comes to the next challenger for Tapuria, if it's not Volkanovski, to be honest, I'd kind of be fine with anyone just because... You know, it's going to be a fresh matchup no matter which way you look at it because it's a new champion. Everything's fresh now. Everything is is new. And he didn't fight most of these guys on the come up. We were talking about that last week. Emmett was the only, like, top fiver he fought. Then um, he fucked him up. Um, we'll see, man. Taporia, man, looking like a big deal. Um, let's talk about some of the other fights. I'm going to talk about uh, the Marab fight. Next, because I honestly thought this should have been the co-main event, uh, Mark, if I'm being honest with you, because I thought it was the second most important fight on the card uh, was Marab Divishvili versus Henry Cejudo. Um, I, don't, I can't think of an MMA nickname being this accurate for someone in a very long time, guys. The Machine, this dude just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming at you. And like Henry cracked him. Henry cracked him good. But I was just like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He doesn't give a fuck. This this guy is still gonna is still gonna come down, walk him down. He the part where he was standing in front of Zuckerberg. Um, and look, I'm not the biggest Zuckerberg fan in the world, but everything about the Zuckerberg stuff on Saturday night was objectively hilarious. But when he had a Henry in a choke while he was talking to Zuckerberg, pretty fucking funny. When he Matt Hughes Frank trigged. Henry Cejudo with Frank Trigg standing outside the octagon because he works as a referee in the for the athletic commission. Man must have had some fucking like PTSD flashbacks. That was cool as hell. This man, uh, nobody's beating up Henry Cejudo like that. Um, I mean, Mighty Mouse beat his ass in like a round and a half, but like this was a like this was a this was domination. Um, and they had to say it. Dana White was like, "Yeah, uh, he's next, basically." Uh, I heard Sean O'Malley today talking about it. Like, yeah, you know, Henry could fight Henry, could fight Ilya, could, could fight 
Corey. Um, he is, he does not want to, I would never call him scared because I don't think anybody's scared. He doesn't want to fight Marab. He really doesn't want to fight Marab, Mark. Um, it's a terrible matchup for him. He's a terrible matchup for anybody. I don't know if all of us picked him being the champion of this weight class when the year was over. I think we might have. Um, well, I mean, what? I don't know what else we can say about the man. I was thoroughly and completely impressed because he needed one of these in front of a crowd, like in front of a lot of people on pay-per-view because last time he was on pay-per-view was that Jose Aldo fight and it wasn't good. He needed a performance like this. The crowd went crazy for him. He's made himself a star on social media. I'm just blowing the guy at this point verbally. What would you think of Marab, Mark? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really good performance. I mean, you know, not flawless, not perfect. You know, I think Henry on a lot of the scorecards did end up winning that first round because he did rock him. Mm -hmm. I think he even was able to, to sneak a, a takedown kind of off of him. But it was really rounds two and three that were the most impressive. I mean, because round, round one was really contested. It was a close round for both of them. But Marab really just he he's he stayed in fourth fifth gear in those uh second and third round and like you said almost catching him in submission out wrestling the olympic wrestler you know we don't see a lot of people out wrestle henry you know i think sterling was able to get him down too which was also surprising but marab just after that first round it was clear domination and not that this is news per se but because this isn't a new thing like it's he's undeniably the best contender let's say for the belt um but that was true before this fight this just cemented it more so, but it's nice to finally see the brass, you know, Dana White kind of say like, oh, this guy is next in line. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get the next title fight because, you know, his word doesn't always hold true to that standard. But I think the more he wins, the more of these big high profile fights that he's had on pay-per-view, he's undeniable, right? Like, I don't think there's anyone that follows the sport even, you know, remotely closely that doesn't know that this is the the number one contender, and that stylistically, he matches up extremely well against everyone because he's the best in class, right? I mean, you can talk about how he fights, and he fights very much like a Henry Cejudo. You know, he's a wrestler type. He likes to grind. He doesn't have the highest finish rate, but his work rate's phenomenal. And he just outpaces dudes and grinds them to decisions, right? And I feel like that's always a very depressing style to fight against anybody. Um, you know, Sterling will have that puncher's chance to pull it off. Um, but you know, if O'Malley. you're, you're, you're Mike's muted. O'Malley, sorry. Um, but it's easy to see if Marab after one, two rounds is dominant, that willpower just starts to die, right? Like you, you've seen him break people cause they just can't keep up the pace. And you saw Henry kind of, not that he ever gave up, gave up, but he was just outclassed, right? Like he just didn't have the stamina. I, to, I got to hang the with impression with Henry. If this was Henry, like man, Henry fucked up by like retiring to try to get more money. I think we all at this point recognize I wasn't a real retirement, and he just cost him. He just man's had a long athletic career. Like this guy was an Olympic world champion. The wear on tear and this and tear on this man's body at this point. Like I, I think if he was like four or five years ago, Henry, that would have been more of a fight. I mean, he would have. Henry might have won. Quite frankly. <laughs> but this version of Henry just didn't have anything for him. We all picked Marab to be the champion at the end of the year. Um, yeah, we all picked Volkanovski too. Things turned quick. Whew, things turned quick. Um, yeah, and like when he said he wanted Sean O'Malley's jacket, uh, the new the one who showed up wearing the fur jacket. I'm like, if this is just gonna be like a gimmick here, <laughs> like I'm a big fan of. <laughs> He's just he wants to collect this man's entire wardrobe. Um, 
Big fan of Marab. Mike, Bobby Knuckles, Paulo Costa. My man got wheel kicked at the end of the first round. But besides that, I think we saw some, a vintage Bobby Knuckles out there. He needed one of yeah. those. Mm -hmm. Got wheel kicked. And if there had been, let's say, another minute in the round, there's a good possibility that the fight doesn't get out of the first round. But luckily, he was the saved by the bell. Besides that, I thought this was a very good performance by Robert Whitaker. Um, clear, I think, at least two rounds. Yeah, I thought the jab was looking good. I thought his leg kicks were looking good. Uh, you know what I also liked? Paulo Costa hadn't looked this good since he before he fought for the title. I thought Paulo Costa fought seriously, showed up in shape, was going for it. I he had he looked like the fucking destroyer. He you know he just he yep. got beat by a good fighter, but like people kind of forgot how good of a fighter Paulo Costa was because after the Izzy fight, he like looked like he didn't care to be honest, and turned into like. Just a bunch of memes about secret juice. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think last week I said some not very nice things about him. Um, I wasn't very high on Paulo Costa. I remember last week, but now this version—if he's going to fight like this, he's going to be a lot of middleweights. It's going to be a lot of middleweight middleweights. Um, Ian Gary and Jeff Neal. I thought a couple things, um, and we're going fast here because there's a lot this week. I thought Ian Gary needed a win badly. He needed some headlines that were about him doing something that was fighting. Um, I thought it was, it felt like the announcers were really big on telling us how well Ian Gary was fighting. And he was fighting fine, but they were really talking like he was out there smoking Jeff Neal. And I think most people had 2-1 Ian Gary, I think. Rounds two and three for Ian Gary. Second round was pretty, was relatively close too. Um, I didn't think they needed to do that. I thought he was fighting a fine fight. I thought it was weird that they kept cutting to his wife who was randomly sitting cage side by herself. I don't know what the fuck was that about. That was about. But I thought the kid fought fought, fought fine. Uh, Mark, I thought he fought fine. I thought his Colby call out, call out was kind of pointless because I don't think that's the fight Colby's going to take. I think he should fight Sean Brady, but I mean, I don't know. You got to win. He just seemed like he didn't want to piss as many people off. Yeah, no. <laughs> It was it was it was a close fight, you know. I think Jeff, like I said, did some good stuff. He landed some good shots, but ultimately, I think he ended. He used too much time against the clinch on the against the cage, and really, you know, if he would have just let his hands go a little bit more and engage in some of those, I think he could have won this fight. But um, you know, he ended up clinching, and I think Ian just kind of outworked him a little bit. His output was a little bit higher. It's not that you know he landed. I think Jeff probably landed the harder shots, but just Ian was just throwing a bit more consistently, and I think that ultimately gave him the nod. And yeah, it's a good win. Um, you know, the kid's still undefeated. This is, you know, a top 10 fighter. So he's definitely climbing the ranks. You know, I think the Colby cutout, uh, call out is interesting. I don't know if he's quite there yet. Um, but Covington's last fight was really disappointing, right? I think his title, his title fight really left a lot of people desiring, you know, quite a bit more out of him. So, you know, I could potentially see that fight coming and that would be kind of interesting for, you know, the smack talk leading up. I think to he it, wants but... to get the one fight where he's not going to get. He's might actually get cheered. People really don't like this kid. Like he was getting booed mercilessly. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure that was totally warranted. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Whatever. Like Jeff Neal and him kept dapping each other up, and Sa a safe Saud. Um, that was Jeff funny. Neal. Jeff Neal's coach was not enjoying that at all. Like, stop fucking dapping him up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, stop doing it. Motherfucker's being too friendly. I'm just jumping all around this main card. Um, I feel I might have 
talk too highly about Anthony Hernandez last week because I needed some of you guys not to pick Anthony Hernandez because I was so right about Anthony Hernandez and like my man looked great. Okay, got that wonderful weird naked choke on Roman Kopilov. And it was it took some effort to get Kopilov down. The man's got good takedown defense. But um, Fluffy Hernandez went out there. That's his nickname. Yes, I'm I'm on Team Anthony Hernandez here, by the way. And handled business. Um, that's five straight wins, three straight finishes, four of those five overall finishes. I like this young man. Thirty years old. It's, it's go time. Um, let's see what he's got. But I thought he looked great out there. I thought he looked really good. Um, and then I don't know if you guys caught any of the prelims. And there's one in particular I want to mention. Did not. Marcus? Yeah, I saw the Dern fight and there I saw is. the Nakamura fight. Okay, Dern. You guess, Okay, I have a couple of thoughts about Mackenzie Dern here, Mark. Two things can be true. Her striking. I don't know why they fired Jason Perillo. Because it looks bad, okay? But that you know, that young lady, that woman is fucking tough. Like, she was getting bombed on and she kept coming back. I thought there was a couple times where she was going to catch that submission. Um, that got fight of the night, which I thought was... I thought the fight of the night was pretty clearly Bobby Knuckles and Paulo Costa. But good for those uh, good for those ladies getting uh, extra 50 grand each. Uh, what'd you think of that fight? No, no, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Dern... And that really has never been a question. I mean, everything that we learned in this fight was kind of things we already knew. Like, her stand-ups, you know, to be blunt, is atrocious. Mm -hmm. Um, Against Samuel like Amanda, she's going to get picked apart, and she did. Um, She has as much heart as anyone I've seen in the division or in women's MMA. You know, the only other person that comes to mind is, like, Amisha Tate, who also, you know, can get really tuned up in some fights and just keeps going. But, like when Dern got dropped and she was getting grounded on, like it was very close to being stopped. I think the referee could have stopped it. It would have been justified. And even at that point, I kind of thought like, okay, I kind of think she wants, she didn't tap. I kind of think she wants out, but she didn't, you know, she did not give up. And I think what's disappointing is that she was, she had some opportunities in this fight to win. She was able to to get the fight on the ground. She was able to get on top um, and was able to do some advancing position, but just couldn't, never quite get anywhere where she was really threatening with the submission. Um, there was a lot of good control and good grappling. At one point, she basically pulled guard and, and did a sweep on Amanda Lemos. And this and this really just all shows, you know, why she was so highly touted when she came into MMA and the UFC. Like, her ground game is phenomenal. It's just her stand-up's always been very lacking. And I think you're correct. I think with Perot, she was showing some improvement. But really, for me, it's like, and she she shot a really good strong double leg in here and got a nice takedown. Like that would be my main fundamental thing that I would want to train her on the most is getting these wrestling. She said I need to be more like Habib. Learning lots of takedowns. She says I need to be more like Habib. That's yeah, got to be her yeah. strategy going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, getting getting better at not just shooting for takedowns, but getting them from the clinch. And you know that Dakistani type wrestling would be fantastic for her because they do back rides all the time. Um, and obviously the striking needs to get a lot better. I mean, the one thing I've always credited her for is like, she's not shy. She's not scared. She will fucking pull the trigger. Um, but when she's pulling the trigger, it's all blanks dog. Like she's got no threat there. People are just backing up, getting out of the way, encountering her and, and really punishing her for it. So there's definitely it, some it seems like it almost regressed. for her, but a good performance. It's almost like it worked. Cause I remember when she was under Perillo, she had a couple fights where you're just like, all right, we're hitting someone, you know, we're, we're making some contact. Like it looked like she was. 
Again, not good. At no point was it good. But like, good enough? At one point it felt like, but we'll see. Um, Man, I, I am not here. That whole Justin Toffa, uh, Junior Toffa situation. The junior's got his legs murdered for like six minutes. That's what happened in that fight. But back to me complaining. Okay, I'm not just saying this because I had Nakamura by finish. I am not here for this fucking Ryan Hall roll on the fucking ground, act like this motherfucker's anywhere near a leg lock thing. Because I'm not some sort of jujitsu expert. I'm not, okay? 95% of the times they were trying to tell me that this guy was in trouble, he was in no trouble. Okay, he did not. I knew enough to know that motherfucker's knee was past that dude's arm. It wasn't, again, he wasn't going to catch him in shit. This was, I don't find it interesting. Okay. And Ryan Hall beat a bunch of people. So I think I was, I'm more willing to accept that. I never seen this guy fight before, Mark. I was, I don't, maybe I'm just being a hater, but this shit was not like after like the end of the first round. I'm like, this is, this fucking sucks. This whole fucking just die for leg clock shit yeah, fucking suck i hated it well i mean you're of of the ilk of the audience because they weren't having a good time i enjoyed this fight like i've seen a lot of grappling fights before which are a lot more boring than this when a dude's just sitting like at least they're moving at least the guy's trying now ultimately i do agree with you like there are some guys that you know hone themselves as being leg lock specialists and when that doesn't work, and it's it's either going to work early or it's not. Like, as the fight goes on, it's going to be harder and harder to, one, trick a guy into not seeing some of the leg locks coming and not being sweaty enough to rip a leg out as well. So you do want to see some evolution to the game plan where it's like, okay, going for leg locks, going for knee bars, this isn't working. We need a plan B or C. You know what, honestly, Mom, it pissed me off, Mark, because we were talking about it last week. It pissed me off that this was the fight they booked for this guy. That was more, I was just like, this guy is 36 fucking years old. He's fighting Rinya Nakamura. How many UFC fights are we in at this point with this guy? Like five? How many asses are Rinya? Or Nakamura? Like, yeah, I know he's like, I don't know how young he is, actually. He's I, think 20 he's only had, I think he's only had maybe three, two three, three, UFC fights. Three UFC fights, two road to the UFC fights. I got to see a Wikipedia page, bro. Like, come on, man. This guy's 36 years old. I don't know the fuck Carlos Vera was like. We got to do something now. <laughs> I think he, I, well, I think he was supposed to fight someone else, and it got pulled. Is what they said on the broadcast. I think he was supposed to fight like Frankie Sanchez. He was supposed, or to, he was supposed to fight Brady Highstand, who also doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Okay, yeah, I know Charles Vera was new to the UFC. This was his debut fight. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I, I, I want to see him contested a little bit more against someone that I at least know who it is. But he is also, you know, pretty new to MMA, but like at this point, you know, I, I feel like he's really been dominant in all his performances and that it's time for a little bit of a step up. Um, cause I mean, how long are they going to potentially groom this guy for? Like he needs to start sinking or swimming. Right. And if he fights someone with some name value and doesn't win, and it's not like, you know, he's completely tarnished, you know, he has to learn from those mistakes and that's just part of the game is like, sometimes, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta start running before or start jogging before you can sprint or whatever. But, um, yeah, it, I, Still, for me, like, I still enjoyed this fight. Like, I did think it was interesting. Um, I enjoyed watching it, but it was obvious that a lot of people didn't. The crowd wasn't very into it. Um, and obviously, Nakamura could, can fight a higher-level guy um, and, I think, compete. I just, know, honestly, the, 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 the best, commentary so. was killing me, too, when they kept trying to convince me that any of this shit was close. Because I was like, none of this shit's close. None of it is like, this man does not. I mean, maybe I was missing something, but, like, none of these look close. 
There was like one time where I was just like, oh, his foot's kind of trapped in there. But like, yeah, no, not at all. Um, all right, UFC 298 in the books. Mike, real quickly, your favorite moment or something you're going to remember. Uh, honestly, it's going to be the passing of the guard, uh, Volkanovski losing. He was such a dominant champ for, for so long that, you know, this is uh, it, it was a big deal. There's only been, what, four featherweight champions in the UFC since the inception of the title. So Yeah, four Hall of Famers. <laughs> also, yeah. it's wild. Like, Connor oh, had the wow, shortest yeah, reign. Connor had the shortest reign, but, like, every one of these motherfuckers has been, like, a generational talent. Aldo, McGregor, Holloway, Volkanovsky. Ain't no fucking, I mean, I guess Connor's transitional champ, I guess. But, but like, every one of these motherfuckers. Mark, you too, yeah, you're going to remember so, too. Oh, sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. Oh, also just one last thing. Also just how happy uh, Devash Vili yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Mark, you too. Was it Taporia that's going to stand out for you in this one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought the card was fun. Uh, it, was, it was it was a good card on paper. I think it mostly lived up. You know, it wasn't, like, the most exciting thing in the world. The Paul Costa spinning... Heel kick was pretty shocking. I didn't really know he had that in his wheelhouse. But, it, you know, we've all had our eye on top Taporia for a while. Um, and it, like you said, like, it's kind of surprising that he's as popular as he is. Um, but not from a fight fan perspective, right? Because, like, this dude just goes out there and knocks people out and has shown nothing but, like, the highest skill set. And has been calling, you know, and has, has thrown his hat out there. Even before he was kind of a known guy, like he was getting in, you know, verbal conversations with McGregor and I think uh, Patty Pimblett. Oh, man, Patty's so, like, getting roasted. He's not a guy. Patty's getting roasted. Patty's got this last tweets yeah. were about like how Taporia uh, is going to be on the prelims while he's on the main card. <laughs> Patty's just getting yeah, murdered. Not so much. <laughs> this is from like three years ago. I'm like, but, bro, but, come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, to, to the point, like, you know, we, we've been seeing some of the, the changing of the guard, but like. It's exciting when it's someone like Ilya. And it's, you know, even though we're not all like the biggest O'Malley fans, it's exciting when it's someone like O'Malley. These dudes put people away, especially Tapora. Like O'Malley, for the most part, is I think is a pretty exciting fighter, you know, whether you like him or not. Like I think his scraps are always good. He's trying to go out there for the finish. But Ilya is like, he doesn't just go out there for the finish. He succeeds. Like this dude is dangerous on every front. Like he's a great grappler. And, you know, his punching power is just awesome. And again, he goes to the body, too. I love how he goes to the body. You can even see it in his four-punch combination right before he won with the overhand right. Like, there were some body shots in there. The guy mixes it up. He doesn't just head hunt. Um, But, man, when he goes for that head, like, it's lights out for just about everyone. So it's exciting. He's an exciting champion, for sure. You muted, Bob. Yeah. The longest reigning champion in the UFC right now, Leon Rocky Edwards. August 20th, 2022 with two title defenses. The other champion with two title defenses is Lamachev, who got that belt in October 2022. Current location. This is where the champions are from right now. Heavyweight's got an American and an English guy because there's two champions. Brazil, light heavyweight is Brazil. South Africa for middleweight. England for, Le- for welterweight. Ru- uh, Dagestan slash Russia for Islam Makachev. Georgia, technically, for Ilya Taporia. Fucking Georgia, man. Might have two champions after Morab is done. Um, America for Sean O'Malley, and then Brazil for Alexander Pantoja. And then on the Amer- on the women's side, Raquel Pennington, America, Grasso, Mexico, Wei Li, China. It's fucking international sport, guys. 
more so than ever. Then it's not. But back when we started watching, it was all Brazilians and Americans holding belts. That was it. It was happening. There was like six yeah. Brazilian champions at one point. Remember that shit? This is where we are now. Um, all right, let's talk about UFC 300 because I laughed so hard when they announced this thing. Um, those of you who might have missed it, the UFC 300 main event, Poetan, Alex Pereira, taking on a man coming off of Achilles, a torn Achilles that happened in fucking July, Jamal Hill. July. Is that was that just in July? Yeah. I looked it up. July he tore his Achilles. He's gonna fight nine months after an Achilles tear. In, in the charity basketball tournament, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. At UFC that was just in July. It was at uh, International Fight Week in July. Jamal Hill, nine months after tearing his Achilles, is going to fight one of the most prolific fucking low kick <laughs> throwers in this fucking sport. And Alex Ferreira. At UFC 300. Um, a, a couple notes here to, before we get into the conversation. Apparently, Ariel said this was they were going to try to book this for the UFC 301, which was in Brazil. Which I contend, why, why are you fucking with that? Because this motherfucker's Brazilian. You're going to Brazil. So you're going to main event with Pantoja? You need a Brazilian champion out there. Anyway, um... Leon Edwards was offered three different opponents to fight at UFC 300. He said yes to every one of them. And of those three, none of them were Bilal Muhammad. Islam Mahachev, Shavkat Rachmanov, and Kamzat Chameev. An injured guy and two guy, an injured guy, a guy who can't get into the country, and a guy who doesn't fight during Ramadan, by the way. Um, they had no plan. And this apparently, according to Jamal Hill, got presented to him the day before. So this mark, this really felt like the homework is due on Saturday. We got to turn something in. And here we are. And let me be clear about this. I don't think this is a bad fight at all. I don't necessarily like the idea of this man fighting so quickly after tearing his Achilles. Nine months is really fast. Like Achilles injuries are... Is there a difference between a tear and a rupture? Because a th- rupture sounds worse. I think it's the same thing. I think it. I think isn't a spra- isn't like a sprain technically a tear too though. Yeah. So like, I mean, it popped his Achilles. Okay, that's what this is what we're going with. But as we're, as I was saying, Mark, I don't think this is a bad fight at all. I think it'll be a good fight. I don't think I think Alex is going to kill him personally. Um, I find it strange that Jamal Hill is the only UFC fighter they show in the crowd to absolute silence and we're like three different times in the last year they've shown him and it was absolute silence I just thought it was hilarious this is the best what they came up with Mark honestly this is what they came up with because they don't plan ahead <laughs> um I mean like I'm not surprised I mean I'm surprised that like that fight wasn't really on our radar because mostly we didn't know where Hill was at. Um, there was a lot of talk about Alex fighting um, at heavyweight, right? And that would have been something. But I'm not mad at the fight at all because I think it's on paper, like it seems good. And it does seem like the, because we've been talking about what's going to headline 300. And it, I've been saying for what it was never going to be. And obviously the UFC agrees with me. It was never going to be uh, Mohammed 
and Edwards. Mm. Never ever. That fight doesn't sell. That's not sexy at all. For 300, forget it. Like, it's never happening. So when that news came out today, it's like, oh, they offered Leon a bunch of fights, and everyone's shocked that it wasn't Bahal. It's like, of course it's not. This is 300. They're trying to sell some shit here. You can't have a fight at the very top and be like, eh. And that's, and honestly, like, nothing against Mahal. Like, he absolutely, that dude has deserves the next title fight. It's just not a very appealing fight because they fought before. That fight ended in some controversy. And obviously, the, the guy that's a champion was winning that fight as well. So it's like, well, was he going to fight the guy he kind of already kind of beat, but, you know, got DQ'd because of an eye poke? It's just, there's a lot of things around it that don't make it sexy. Uh, a 205 championship fight, that's sexy. Pereira versus about anyone, that's pretty interesting. Jamal Hill, the guy who didn't lose his belt, technically, you know, this is a fight that I, st- I, I think this makes sense for 300. Um, my main question is, like, is it going to be compromised because Jamal Hill actually isn't recovered, right? Like, is he going to go into this hurt? Is he going to have a poor performance and really just kind of put out a stinker? You know, I hope not. I hope he's healed, and I hope these two guys have the type of fight that we know they're going to have because stylistically, this could be a really fun fight. You know, Jamal Hill throws heaters, and Alex is one of the best fighters, you know, in any division in the sport ever. So on paper, it's like, yeah, this should be a barn burner. Um, and something that I think is is of the caliber of a UFC 300. Um, you know, this all being said, we've known for a long time they didn't have anything planned. I'm not surprised that this all came together, you know, five hours before they announced it because we knew if they had something good lined up, Dana would have said it as soon as he could. It's been a big black eye that they haven't been able to put a main event on this. And this is what they came up with. And it's not the worst thing in the world. I uh, I don't think... Okay, I don't think they need to sell UFC 300 because I think it's going to sell itself. I think if they needed to sell it... Look, if this company had any fucking sense, they would have announced Conor versus McGregor when they announced it for tough. They would have been like, by the way, these are the fucking this is the fucking main event for UFC 300. It's our biggest star. We main event UFC 300 with our biggest star. It's what we fucking do, right? <coughs> but we didn't do that. Um, uh, personally, I... I, I don't know why Bilal Muhammad is being treated like this. Like, I know he doesn't sell, Mark. I'm not an idiot. But, like, they put on plenty of fucking pay-per-views with guys who don't sell. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. No one knew who the fuck Amanda Menunas was when she main evented UFC 200. Granted, that was a, a circumstance of John Jones popping for steroids. But, like, they still sold, like, 1.2 million pay-per-views or whatever the fuck that was. I don't know what this guy, like, who's fucking, like, cereal this man pissed in. Bilal, like, I don't particularly, I think Bilal's kind of annoying. I think he's a really good fighter. I think he's, hasn't lost a fight. He hasn't lost a fight since April 2009, since January 2019. Give the motherfucker a title shot. Um, And like, I did like Leon getting his props, Mike. I did like hearing that, how Dana was saying, Leon Edwards, thank you so much for da 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 And I'm like, if you wanted to thank him, you'd give him a fucking, this big check. Um... I don't like this fight, and I'm, I'm, I mean, look, if they were, if everybody's healthy, I love the fight. I don't think he's healthy, Mike, because I mean, you and I watch other sports. When a guy comes back from an Achilles, like, just looking at Durant and like Clay Thompson, they got back. I mean, Clay fell off again here, but like, it took. They came back, and then it took five months to figure out like their shit again. Like, <laughs> like this is not like. There's no way he's okay. And like, I just like, I'm remembering this guy got a assault charge 
for beating up his brother. And apparently it was a dispute over his brother owing him money. This man hasn't cashed a check for his job since January of 2024. 2023, right? 2023 is the last mm, time. When did he win that belt? Yeah. He didn't cash it. It was uh he ruptured his Achilles about six months after uh after he won the title. So that would be maybe December or he never he never January. got pay-per-view points. No. Either. I don't think he may he's making shit. And I'm just part of me is just like I just I feel really uneasy about this. I mean, I say this as a man who just bet $100 on Alex Pereira to win this fight. Because I was like, minus 160, he's going to fucking kill him. I think yeah, he's going to kill that bad. Uh, I think he's going to kick him in the fuck. I mean, Jamal seems like a dick, dick dipshit, too. Um, he's going to kick him in the leg immediately. Like, immediately he's going to kick him in the leg, right? Like, what are we even talking about? Um, I mean, he, he probably will. Um, but hey, who knows? Maybe he heals very quickly. Although everything I've just read and just watching basketball in general, uh, you normally don't get back onto the court or, you know, do the high intensity stuff for about nine months. And by the time this fight rolls around, it'll be maybe what, nine months. Uh, so I question the level of training he's going to be able to do because there's no way he's like at a hundred percent still and like able to just fire off. If you told me he was fighting at the UFC three Oh one, which is may, even then I'd be like, wow, like that's 10 months. Like that's still, I don't want to dis disperge the guy either, but like, you know, look at none, none of us here are, are fitness experts, but like dude never looked like the, the, the specimen like, athlete you. that like, we I didn't want it to, be my, guys, I didn't want it to be my fat ass, but like, Jamal, everybody said this dude got fat and then blew his Achilles playing basketball. Like, this guy gets big between... Not everybody... I mean, it's okay. My favorite fighter was Rampage Jackson. Rampage Jackson got huge between fights. Some people are like that. But, like, this guy's got to get in shape. Like, he didn't look great standing, like, there. He didn't look like he weighed 212 pounds when they showed him on the screen. And, again, the crowd was silent. The crowd was fucking... This guy sells nothing. Be honest. This man sells nothing either. Um, Honestly, I would have done Leon and Bilal... I look. I think honestly, I think would have been. I think would have been bad, Mark. But I do think if at the beginning, if two months ago they said these are our title fights: Leon Bilal, Whaley and Yan, and then Max and Justin. These are our three title fights. UFC 300's got three title fights. People would have been like, okay, that main event's kind of fucking weak sauce. But at least we're like, hey, like we got three title fights. The fact that he built it up and told us he's gonna blow or blow our fucking minds, which he didn't at all. Okay, like I think they did this to themselves. And put it in a situation where maybe they couldn't give it to Leon and Bilal. Sounds like they want to put Leon and Bilal in that on on the on a summer card. Maybe they want to go to that arena in Manchester. Hopefully, I don't know. I would have like. I mean, I guess Drickus couldn't. It was too quick of a turnaround for Drickus apparently because Izzy would have Izzy could have gone. I think it would have been the right turnaround time for Drickus if they paid Drickus. Honestly, if they paid if they paid Drickus enough money, I think he would have done it. That would have been better than this to me. But I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe Jamal is fucking... He went to the Achilles factory with Aaron Rodgers, Mike, and he's, like, ready to fucking go. And, you know... Was it Aaron Rodgers used the uh, dolphin sex sounds? Was yeah, it? I mean, uh, the growth hormone? Yeah, that's that's what he used. Um, that's what I'm saying. I hope they aren't testing for... Like, they're not testing for HGH over in the UFC or anything. Like, let's get this guy in the right fucking, like... Let's get him on the right thing, man. Let's get him ready to go. Let's get him all fucking souped up on whatever he needs to be. 
But honestly, I just laughed. I was just like, this is hilarious. I think we mentioned it when we were guessing 300 fights, guys. And I think we said, well, there's no way Jamal's healthy. Like, I think we were going through the champions. We're like, there's no way Jamal's healthy. Maybe he is. Um, if you just look at this card, though, top to bottom, it's a really good card. Um, I think we can officially say on paper, 299 looks better, though. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that person, Mark. 299 looks better to me. I'm with you. 299 appeals to me a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, Jim Miller and Bobby Green, though. That's what I'm here for at UFC 300, guys. Also, Jim Miller working weigh-in shows. And then Mackenzie Dern coming on stage into we- with the weigh-in show. I'm sorry, Jim Miller. Bobby Green. Bobby Green worked some weigh-in show. And then uh. Mackenzie Dern came on stage. And Bobby Green just goes, sheesh. And I'm like, Jesus, Bobby. <laughs> Mute your microphone. <laughs> Don't fucking drool on air. <laughs> I, hope, I hope Bobby Green doesn't have a wife. I think Bobby girlfriend. Green does have a wife. <laughs> I think Bobby Green needs to explain himself. So that's UFC 300. Okay, we're 50 minutes into this thing. Let's get going. Um, the card I'm most excited for this weekend, guys, as much as I uh, would not like to upset my girlfriend because she loves Brandon Moreno, and I am excited for Yair versus Brian Ortega too, uh, this PFL Bellator card is what you're supposed to fucking do. When you want, when you're getting twenty million dollars or whatever it is from the Saudi government, this is everybody they got. This is everybody they got um, that people know. Renan Ferreira versus Ryan Bader. It's the PFL heavyweight champion versus the Bellator heavyweight champion. Winners probably be fighting Francis Ngannou if you believe Francis Ngannou is going back. Impa Kansagane um, taking on Johnny Eblen. Both the middleweight champions right there. Um. A PFL and uh, Bellator. Ray Cooper to third. Jason Jackson. It's another sick fight right there. Pitbull taking on Gabriel Braga. Gabriel Braga is a little bit of a sleeper in that one, guys. We're checking out. Bruno Campoloza versus Vadim Nemkov. This is Vadim's heavyweight debut in the United States, I believe. Yoel Romero versus Tiago Santos is a fucking weird mobile one right there. Anything could happen there. I saw it was a pick em fight because I think most Yoel fights are at this point because you don't know what he's going to do. And uh, the one I'm most excited for is Clay Collard versus AJ McKee. Big AJ McKee fan. Clay Collard's an action fighter. That's going to be a good one. Undercard's got Aaron Pico and Henry Corrales. Uh, Biagio Ali Walsh, which is Muhammad Ali's grandson's on there. And Clarissa Shields is on there too. They're in Saudi Arabia. It starts at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time, the uh, prelims. Main card at noon. Mark, I hope they do well. That's all I can say. I hope they do well. I hope this is a success. I hope this, whatever the measurement of success is here, I hope they achieve it. I don't know if that means buys or just the fact that the Saudis are paying. I hope this gets a, gets traction. I hope it gets the attention that the fighters, because all fighters need this to do well. They need a viable number two option. Yeah. I mean, and if it, if it doesn't, it's kind of like, well, what do you spend all that money for, right? Like this is literally... All the big chips they just they just bought, throwing it in the basket. And, you know, this this card's coming to fruition a lot sooner than I thought it would. You know, like when they bought Bellator, they said they wanted to put on a card like this. But I thought it would be months and months down the line until we kind of heard inklings about the card, you know, actually happening. And no, they pulled together pretty quickly, which is impressive. And it's also nice to kind of like, you know, to see an organization when they have the metal to put a big card together and put a big event together can do it. Right. I mean, we're just talking about UFC has spread itself so thin. They knew about 300 for a while. And Dana's kind of reasoning that I heard, you know, I think today or something was like, oh, you know, it took a long time for the 300 main event to come. 
because we're putting so many high quality cards back to back to back. And he's not wrong. 298, the card we just saw was great on paper. 299, like we said, might even eclipse 300 with just the names. And 300 itself is stacked. But it's also like, this is of your own doing. Like, you make the cards. It's your own fault if you kind of stacked yourself too, or spread yourself too thin with these pay-per-views and made 299 too good or something. It's like, you control all of this. Like, we, I can't really, like, show pity or you have feel a 600, bad You have, like, it's a 600-fighter like, roster. You have every... You have, yeah. Oh, you have 95% of the fucking market. Like, what are we even talking about? Like, you're asking for $80. Yeah. Load the motherfuckers up. You got the, you got the deck of cards. You can't come to me and be like, oh, I don't like the hand I got. You're dealing, motherfucker. Like, it, it's your hand. Spike it. Put all the aces together on your hand. Like, you you got complete control here. I'm not going to feel sorry for you when you can't, you know, get a good main event for your big marquee fight. So UFC 100, people are just like, this is like, UFC 100 had GSP versus Tiago Alves and Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir at the top, okay? Also had Michael Bisping and, um, fuck. Hendo. Hendo. Yeah, um, and people are like, oh, well, I mean, what could they, could they have done this back in the day? I don't know, man. Three weeks after UFC 200, I don't think it was even three weeks. BJ Penn versus Kenny Florian, Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin was the next pay-per-view. So, yeah, they can. They've always been able to do this, okay? They've always been able to do this shit. There's no excuse. And this is what you do. The, the Saudis told them to fuck off with their bullshit card in March. This is what you do, man. This is going for it. And if they fail, they fail. They're not going to, they cannot succeed, honestly, in the current marketplace unless we get like something has to come out of this lawsuit. Um, by the way, let me be, uh, people who might be confused about this. There's actually two lawsuits. Okay. There's the original one we all know about, the more famous one. That one is for everything pretty much up to the sale of the UFC. Then there's the Cajun Johnson one. That's the one for everything after and for current, that's for the current practices, basically. The old one, I don't think the UFC is going to give a shit about settling. The, the, the old one doesn't matter because they're going to pay money. There's nothing else that's going to come out of the old lawsuit the older from the older times. And the UFC's got more money than God, so it doesn't matter. This other lawsuit, the Cajun Johnson one, that's, I think, kind of been bundled into it at this point. They might be hearing both of these at some level at the same time. That one, we need injunctive relief. We need the judge to come out and say every UFC contract is two years old. And people, like I say, we need that. I'm saying that as a fucking consumer of this sport because I don't, I, I don't like this. This isn't good, okay? I don't want to. I don't need 75 fucking cards from the UFC. I need the UFC in a position where they need to do fewer cards with their fucking stacked roster, okay? I need them not capable of putting on this bullshit on TV, okay? I need them not to have 600 fighters under, under contract. So we need this. So back to the original point. They're running on TV, on pay-per-view, in the middle of the day, on a Saturday. The UF, the, the WWE show is at 2 a.m. I don't know if he's coming on Saturday. But the UF, WWE doesn't have a show. And the UFC shows at night, right? The Mexico one. So let's just go for it, man. I'm going to watch. I would 100% pay for it if Mark was coming to my house. I do not have $50 for them. I have $25 for them. Going to be totally honest. I got $25. I think $50 is a very fair price. When I first heard $50, Mark, I didn't think it was, but if the UFC is going to charge $80, I think that's perfectly reasonable, $50 charge mm -hmm. for a pay-per-view. 
I think that's how what much you're fucking. Too, how, much, like, how much does bare knuckle charge? Like forty bucks? Like, you know? No idea. <coughs> this is it. This is it. And uh, seven fight main card. Seems pretty reasonable for fifty bucks. So, Mike, you gonna try to watch some of this? I am not. No, no, I'm not. I'm gonna catch the highlights. Um, I'm not even gonna front and say I'm gonna even try and watch this. Look, man, I'm not normally watching PFL. I'm not normally watching Bellator, and I still don't understand if they're gonna keep the champions for each of these. Why do they create a unified belt? I don't this like. The, I don't no like the belt. I don't like the belt thing. I'll be. I agree with you. The belt also looks weird. It's like an AI created belt. You, you see, and the reason why I have this strong stance is that when I saw the belt earlier today, I thought, oh, shit. They're just, like, this is actually a unification thing. This is actually going to be worth kind of watching, at least in my opinion. But I feel a lot of the stakes go away if it's they're keeping it separate. I, I, I don't know. For, for me, it just kind of deflated the balloon. Fair enough. Marcus, you going to try to catch some of this? Uh, well, unfortunately, I didn't realize when that was, and I had already made plans for the day, so I'm definitely not going to catch it live. You know, if I could watch it after the fact easily enough, I would. I'm very interested to, to see how it turns out. And this is the type of event that, like Mike, I never watch PFL. They don't interest me all that much, but this card interests me, and I would be willing to pay money for it. Um, you know, it's more of a scheduling conflict on my part than anything. Uh, disinterest is a premium just ESPN Plus. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's yeah, just ESPN Plus. I'd imagine. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to check it out. We'll see. Um, UFC's back in Mexico City this, later that day, though. Uh, UFC Mexico from Arena CDMX in Mexico City, or Mexico DF, as they put it, uh, which I believe is District Federal. Um, I was in Mexico last week, by the by. Just saying. I was in Mexico for an hour and 45 minutes. Not even kidding. It's how long I had to be in Mexico for to get shit done. <laughs> um, anyway, two fucking bangers at the top of this card. And it's in Mexico City, and you hope everybody showed up early and gotten and is in shape. Uh, some interesting stuff on the undercard as well. Um, but let's talk about the main event. Brandon Moreno, the former flyweight champion, lost his belt to uh, Alexander Pantoja. Um, back at UFC uh, 290 in a split decision, which I believe was the, what's it called card, actually? International Fight Week card, UFC 290. Uh, broke his hand in the first round, has been out for a little bit. Taking on Brandon Royval, who just fought for the title, and uh, we learned is not super great at stopping takedowns. Uh, got taken down a bunch by Alexander Pantoja, and my man was real active on bottom, but couldn't really get up. Uh, this was supposed to be... Who the fuck was this supposed to be? Um, Amir Albazi. was supposed to be Amir Albazi. Um, but Albazi had to pull out. And instead, we got Brandon Royville taken on Brandon Moreno. Uh, they fought back um, November 2020, where Brandon iced him in the first round. Uh, TKO. Um, betting lines for this one, minus 250 for Moreno. Moreno won that first fight or Royville? I think Moreno you said did. Brandon won, which oh, is a sorry. real pop Moreno, Moreno did. I'm... Okay, okay. <coughs> in 459 of round one. 
I do not remember this fight. It was UFC 255, which was headlined by Figueredo and Alex Perez. I don't remember that fight either. It's a lot of fights I don't remember on this card. Not that I'm looking at it. May not have happened. Um, this might just be fake thing that Wikipedia is writing about. Uh, Brandon Moreno, Mike from our, our reigning champion. Brandon Moreno coming in minus 250. What do you got, man? I'm going to be going with Brandon Moreno on on this one, mainly because I don't know so much about the other guy. I enjoy Raw Dog Royval, mostly because oh. that's his nickname, Brandon Raw Dog Royval. Um, I don't think he's Mexican. I want to say he's Filipino. I might be making this up entirely. Um, but dude trains in Denver. He's always in shape. So that's his best chance here. Uh, but Brandon has never shown up out of shape for anything I've ever seen. And he's in Mexico, and he's a fucking star. He's not going to let him down. I got Brandon Moreno getting this done here. I don't know if he finishes him, because Royval's gotten much better in the last three, four years. He really has. But I got Moreno getting it done here. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I have Moreno as well. Um, you know, I think they both shown a lot of improvement, especially since, you know, their early days in the UFC. Um, but Moreno has definitely kind of, you know, risen to the occasion a bit more than what we've seen with Royville. Um, and again, like I agree with all the things you sentiments that you had, Bobby, like he's in Mexico city. He's a big star. He knows this is a big coming out party for him. I think this fight's easier than the fight he was previously going to going to face as well. Um, so I think he'll be well prepared. Um, and I think it should be, you know, pretty good, solid win for him. So this wasn't, this wasn't really that short of notice either though. I feel we've known about this matchup for a hot minute too. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, like at least a month at least that Roy Valls had to prepare for this one I want to say um, let's see when I was a fish made official January 11th so he's had five weeks it's not bad mm-hmm. I don't know how unscathed he got out of that last fight um, this co-main event rules um, we were supposed to get the co-main event of Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega I believe it was Brian Ortega's last fight actually july of 2022 but my man's shoulder dislocated just Something freakishly like, like he was going for it was like a like four minutes in i don't remember what happened in that fight leading up to that point um yair though is coming off of uh losing his uh title losing a title fight he was interim champion he lost to volkanovsky uh he got outclassed i mean but we think we've all shown the growth that yair has experienced in his career uh, in the last couple of years um so this is an interesting one betting lines for this one i have now lost it but we are a i believe yair was a minus like 160 or 190 favorite yeah on some of the books we're a bet mgm podcast right is that what we decided uh, minus 165 to plus 135 mike good call there i man Brent, this is a tough one real talk mike what do you got Mm-hmm. I'm going to be going with Yair on this one. Um, I think this is going to be a very close fight. Uh, Brian Ortega is still um, one of the top guys in his weight class. Uh, Yair lost to the well, the previous champ now. Um, but as you mentioned, Yair has looked so much better, um, you know, over the last, you know, what, three to four, four years or so. Um, I think that with his dynamic striking style and, 
the fact that he's really good on the ground as well and he like he's no slouch when it comes to, to that area so I think the advantage that Brian Ortega might have if it were to go to the ground it's, it's not going to be as pronounced so with that in mind I see Yair winning this fight and then potentially we get a title shot um, sometime at the end of the year uh, I'm going to agree with you and take Yair. I disagree in terms of the advantage Ortega has on the ground because I think it's a huge advantage. And I do think Yair's a good ground fighter, but um, when it goes to the ground, T-City's just fucking locking these people up, man. So I think on the ground, he really... I would It would behoove Yair Rodriguez to get nowhere near the ground, in my opinion. Um, not, but, Brian, but Brian is no slouch on his feet either. Brian's gotten so good. Uh, this is a very high-level fight. Um but I think Yair's more technical. I think he's more well-rounded on his feet. Um, and it's a long layoff. And it's a long layoff for Brian, for Brian. And he's got a fight in Mexico City. He's never been out of shape or anything. It's just, this is a lot to ask for someone who's never done this before to fight at in Mexico City. So I'm going to go with Yair getting it done here. I don't know if Brian's been knocked out. Has he? I got a doc. Yeah, I don't think he, I mean, he got doctor stoppage against mm, Max. So. Max beat his ass. That was a doctor stoppage, and then um, TKO against Yair. He's never been knocked out. I don't think he's gonna. I think this is gonna. I think Brian's too good, tough for his own good. So I think he might actually make it to the end of this thing. But I'm I'm gonna go with Yair as much of a finisher Yair is. I think it's gonna be a decision. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I have Yair as well. Um, stylistically, it's a very interesting fight. You know, like you guys have mentioned, both of them. Both their strengths lie in the other guy's weakness, so it's really going to see, you know, who's going to be able to dictate their type of game plan and and really get the fight where they need it to be to be most successful. For Yair, that's on the feet. For Ortega, it's on the ground. Um, and ultimately, I'm leaning against uh, leaning for Rodriguez just because he's been more active, and you know, you have to start questioning Brian and you know just how durable he is if you know the last fight ended in an injury, right? And you know, how's that injury sustained? How's he been able to train with it? There's a lot more question marks with Brian Ortega, which makes you a little bit more comfortable picking Rodriguez. But again, I think it's a fantastic fight. Um, it's just unfortunate. You know, we didn't get the first time, but hopefully the second time we get a full fight. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, some other interesting stuff on this card worth mentioning before we move on. Uh, Daniel Zulhuber against Francisco Prado is a good fight. We get the ra- ra- return of Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, taking on Ricky Tercios. Yasmin Waragay. One of my favorite names to say, quite frankly. Um, pretty much everybody I'm saying has either either fought at UFC Noche or fought at uh, the International Fight Week card. Claudio Puyellas, um really pissed off everybody in Madison Square Garden when he was butt-scooting against Dan Hooker, Mike. You remember that fight? It was a real boring-ass fight. Um, but yeah, all the Mexicans are on this card. Basically, all the Mexicans are on this card, and we'll see them all again in September at UFC No Chase. Does that seem reasonable to everybody? Basically, all the Mexicans they got, except for Alexa and uh, the Diego Lopez, except for Lobo Jim. Lobo Jim is not represented on this fight card. All the all the other Mexicans are. So we'll see. This one's. Uh, I'm sure they sold it out. The UFC's printing money. Uh, by the way, I was watching. We're watching Monday Night Raw randomly, and Michael Chandler showed up right before the podcast started. Grabbed the microphone, called out Conor McGregor, and then went into the crowd with his shirt off. Synergy. I found it interesting that the synergy did not include promoting the fight card that was this weekend, Mike. 
just putting that out there. Just, you know, would have been nice. Not, not, not bad though. You know, uh, maybe this means there actually is a signed contract though. I mean, if they can get Connor to fight without having, if Connor will fight without signing for another seven fights, then yeah. Um, all right, let's have some fun and do stuff we like. Uh, we're going to do, in honor of President's Day, our top five leaders. Be them fictional, be them real. Um, I'm going to lead off in what is going to be an obvious choice to anybody who knows me. Uh, the single greatest president from television that's ever existed. Josiah Jed Bartlett, two-term yeah, president, yeah. former governor of New Hampshire, uh Nobel Nobel uh, Prize winner in economics, uh, former congressman from New Hampshire. Talking about the West Wing, played brilliantly by Martin Sheen. The single single favorite uh, favorite TV show of all time. I mentioned last week. I was going to mention this. Um, Would have been better if he wasn't hiding that secret. I don't want to spoil it for people. This twenty year old, twenty five year old show, but still an excellent president. Hell, on a random episode, they just solved social security bothered me still mike still bothers me um but yeah that is uh my number one there president josiah bartlett from the west wing mark go ahead yeah i'll, I'll admit this list my list is thin baby so i got i gotta hit my my big ones up top to steal them from everyone else because i'm sure this one is probably on some other people's list but uh uh president camacho from idiocracy oh he's a good president not only did he physically have you know the capabilities but uh you know he, he saw a real problem with the gatorade killing all the crops and you know that he found the smartest man he could and he put him in charge of it and you know that's good leadership right there so president camacho sure. macho dwayne elizondo dwayne elizondo mountain dew herbert camacho uh former porn superstar <laughs> and president yeah. of the united states played by uh, terry cruz it was it was a good fun role and a good leader, a good president. So there you go. There's number one. Mike? <laughs> well, I definitely had Jed Bartlett in my top five. However, assuming there was going to be some overlap, I had some stand-ins in case any of mine were taken. So my stand-in for if Jed Bartlett was taken is the city of Pawnee's own Leslie Nope. Here's the thing. Did she become president or did Ben become president? This isn't even based off who became president. This is based off her stewardship oh, just of leadership. the Parks Department gotcha. in Pawnee. Yes, yes. You see, that's why before the podcast, when I heard one of you say, oh, top presidents, I'm like, wait, was this a yeah, president's list or a leader's yeah. list? That's fair. Um, okay, I'm going to go with president, and I'm going to say his name. It's not going to mean as much. President James Marshall. The movie's Air Force One. Damn it. Yeah, that's uh, one of mine. President <laughs> get is, off my get plane. off his plane, bitch. Get off his fucking plane. Uh, Y'all should watch Air Force One. Uh, any movie where Gary Oldman gets to be a bad guy, big fan of that. Um, and really what I'm saying, just fucking watch The Professional. That's what you should watch. Um, <laughs> next one is, uh, I believe Mark is next. Yep. Yeah, well, now it's already gotten real thin now. So the next one's going to be President Andre Curtis, who is the president in Rick and Morty. He's in a couple episodes, and uh, he's a pretty fun character. <laughs> I like that one. 
Yeah, I think he uh, he gets swifty with it. I think there's one of his things. And, you know, when, again, when, when stuff gets tough, he knows the right man to go to. He goes to Rick Sanchez. And even though he knows he's <laughs> difficult to deal with, uh, you know, he knows the guy who's going to get the job done. So not, not the worst choice I got on here because after this one, it gets pretty bad. Voiced, voiced by Mary from There's Something About Mary's Dad who said – is it the Frank or the Beans, son? In case you guys are wondering who that who that guy is. Mike, your pick. Uh, so I figure I might as well you get one president on my list. Um, because besides Jed Barley, I only have one other. I have no idea what Bill Pullman's name is in Independence Day, but that guy from Independence Day, because let's face it, that is one of the greatest presidential speeches ever. Thomas right Whitmore. Before, okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Right before they go up and they have the final offensive counterattack against those darned aliens. Ah, I watched that speech. Every Independence Day. Um, all right, I'm going to go with a non-president real quickly. We're going with Diamond Joe Quimby, baby. All right. Diamond Joe <laughs> Quimby, been mayor of Springfield forever. <laughs> Though I guess time doesn't really pass in Springfield because those children don't age either. So he's been possibly he's been president for just deceased, to, you know, advanced time. Frozen in history there. Um, but, you know, look, you do what you got to do to win. All right, you do what you got to do. It's not chowder. It's not chowder. It's chowder. It's chowder. <laughs> it's chowder. <laughs> Rat milk. You promised me squirrel or better. What was it or something like that? <laughs> uh, that's my next one. Mark, go ahead. Mark. Uh, well, it's funny you picked that because mine is also in in the vein of The Simpsons, and this is a uh, President King. Our alien president. Now, some people might think Krotos would have been a better president. It's debatable. We won't, we'll never know because Crane won the election. It's only a two-party election. and It's not going to throw your vote away for a third party. So I got President King as my, I guess, third? Yeah, third one here. So Don't blame me. Go. I voted for Krotos. Just saying. Mike. I don't think I quite know that reference, huh? All right. Um third one for me is going to be uh, the leader who, with fire and blood, got her way all the way to the Iron Throne before that cuck, Jon Snow, betrayed her. And that is going to be Daenerys Stormborn, Daenerys Targaryen, who started as the plaything of a Dothraki leader and with her three dragons and nothing but her feminine wiles build an army and storms Westeros. Right on. I'm going to go with uh, President Merkin Muffley from Dr. Strange Love, played by the brilliant Peter Sellers. My man was real busy in that movie, though. He played uh, three roles. He also played uh, Dr. Strange Love, and he played uh, Lionel Mandrake. And I'll just leave you with classic line from uh, President Muffley. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Guys should watch Doctor Strange Love. Just putting that out there. I know I'm trying to sell people on a 60 year old movie, but it's really good. So, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, my next one. These are just these aren't very inspired ones. This is just came up on lists. Uh, President Beck, who's played by Morgan Freeman. This was in Deep Impacts. It was the 
the more serious asteroid was going to kill Earth to the Armageddon, which was the silly one, which even Ben Affleck kind of pokes fun of in this DVD director's commentary. Um, but yeah, from what I vaguely remember of Deep Impact, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman, he's got the look. I believe him as a president. I'm sure he did a good job in that movie. So there you go. He's not a good president. Just saying. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. <laughs> did we get My... hit by the asteroid, Bobby? It's <laughs> a good point. It's very true. Mike, go ahead. Uh, what is this, uh, number four for us? Yeah. Um, fourth one for me is the greatest officer in Starfleet history. And that is Star Trek The Next Generation's Jean-Luc Picard. All right. Some people, mm. there's been an age-old debate since the 80s and 90s. Which captain are which captain do you prefer? Kirk or Picard? All right. If you want a captain who's out here probably day drinking and just fucking all the aliens, sure, go for Kirk. But if you want a captain who plays the violin and is more concerned with making sure that negotiations with the Kardashians go Kardashians, not Kardashians, Kardashians goes well, you go for Jean-Luc Picard. Okay. Now, finally, I will go with President, ultimately, Selena Meyer from Veep. Um, show's just real, real vulgar and funny. And she's great at it, man. Shout out to Julia Louis-Dreyfus having multiple shows where she's won multiple fucking Emmys for. What a wonderful actress she is. Good for her. Veep is a great show. Um, and uh, I forgot the guy's name. Armando Iannucci. I think that's his name. Yeah, I think he's guy made that show. If you don't want to watch all of Veep, um, dude made a movie that's in the same vein called In the Loop. You get the same point. You get James Gandolfini cursing a bunch of people out too, which you know it's fun. Do him doing it as a general rather than doing it as Tony Soprano. So, Mark. Yeah, my last one. You know, we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to figure out who even qualifies or would be decent. And, and this one's a little bit out there, but uh, they are a leader, and it is fictional. Uh, Doctor Doom. <laughs> Doctor Doom is pretty good, and he's he's kind of a dictator more than a leader. But like, I will say, like in a world filled with people with superpowers, like I don't think there's. I don't think, I mean, he, he's basically, he runs, I think it's called Latvia, is his country or whatever. Well, Latvia is a real and country. And I don't think they have other La- superheroes. Latveria. Yeah, I was going to say, Latvia is a real country. He has a fake Latveria. country. Latveria. Yeah. Okay, I knew, it was, I knew it was something close, yeah. Um, but he basically protects them all himself, like, and people be coming in there and trying to fuck shit up. Like, Fantastic Four is, I mean, look, is he, like, stealing shit to get more powerful? Maybe. Probably. But, you know, he's got a whole army of his own robots. He uses magic and has... I don't know if he has powers as well as the ability to to, to you know use How magic or whatever. With fucking uh, but I will Luthor. say, you know, he actually was president. Could have done Lex Luthor. He was I'm, right there. I'm, I'm not a yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a DC. Fair guy. enough. I don't really like mm-hmm. DC that much. And uh, in the Secret Wars, where basically reality caves in on itself, and all the different multiverses get kind of stitched together, he runs it, and he actually does a pretty good job. Like on Secret Wars, he kind of patches all the. The continents together and kind of has some kind of order to all the the chaos that's going around. Um, 
you know, that's kind of where he thrives. I mean, he is a dictator, but from what I vaguely read before coming to this, like, you know, the people, they don't go hungry. They have all the medical needs they do. So if you're going to be a dictator, he's kind of doing the best you could, I suppose. Or he's blurring that line at the very least. So, yeah, doctor to my last one. Mike, go ahead. Uh, all right. Last one for me. Um all of these leaders that we've mentioned in terms of their stature and their ability to lead, they are all 20 feet high. But my leader, my last leader is three apples tall. So of course it's Papa Smurf. Okay. That's right. Papa Smurf. Cause let me tell you something. Did Gargamel ever get to eat any of those Smurfs? No, he did not. And that was through the stewardship of Papa Smurf. So I say I regret not bringing up uh, Nixon's head from Futurama. You know, man was out there talking, especially Mark, Mark could have brought him up. Man's out there talking about how much he loves Charleston Chew. You know, headless, headless body of Agnew also just carrying him around. That version of Richard Nixon. Excellent. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was some fun. Um, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I watched Iron Claw on Saturday. Um, nice. Became available video on demand. So, was able to watch that. Um, I thought, as someone who knew the whole story, um, I thought they did a good job. Um but it was kind of interesting. We're like, the movie just kind of like some good stuff's happening and then just one fucking tragedy after another. Um, I think uh, Mr. Efron did an excellent job and I thought he could have gotten some award nominations out of this thing. I don't know if he did or not. Probably some smaller ones. I know why they did it, but it was kind of weird how they took Chris Von Erich and kind of combined him with actual Mike Von Erich to make Mike Von Erich in the movie that kind of combine two stories there a little bit. Um, which I guess why they did, because, I mean, what are you going to do? Just throw another motherfucker in there that killed himself? Like, um, the movie is pretty devastating as is. Um, the guy from The Bear, Jeremy Allen White, was excellent. Uh, there's a scene in this movie that really got to me at the end, which I didn't see coming, was the one with the boat. Towards the end, Mike saw this movie, so I'm not going to like... Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what got me, that scene. That one really got me. Um, and uh, the movie was excellent overall. I mean, pretty good overall, I'd say. Um, but one of the worst fucking Ric Flairs I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what that dude... That dude was saying the right words, but he did not sound in any way the way Ric Flair should sound. He kind of just sounded like Walter Goggins. From Justified, <laughs> like he had a weird accent like that. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I s- they did a really good job with the wrestling man. You could tell like they weren't a weren't a, like the ones where they didn't have a stuntman or not. You could see their faces. They really went for it. They did a great job. And uh, Chavo was in there. I know Chavo Guerrero is kind of the good go to guy to train these people. Um, for you know big movies, he did a lot of glow and you know those gl- he was in glow and stuff like that, helping them out too. Saw uh, Ryan Nemeth in the back in a couple scenes. That was kind of cool. Saw MJF um, as Lance Von Erich. 
a little bit. They didn't really talk about Lance Von Eric. I'm sure that got cut out. But, I mean, shout out to MJF producing this movie or being one of the producers uh, this early in his fucking career. It's, there aren't a lot of... Uh, you don't get a lot of serious movies when it comes to wrestling. Um, and the last one I remember was probably The Wrestler with Mickey Rorick. So I appreciate the when the... I'm going to call it the art form gets taken seriously. It's nice. Um, you know, and I thought they did a good job and, uh, you could tell there was the budget wasn't huge. Um, but yeah, they did a great job, man. It was a really sad story. And if you want to learn more about the Von Erics, the entire, uh, dark side of the ring episode is up there. <coughs> and also there's the, uh, lapsed fan podcast, which does a great job with this stuff too, doing a lot on it. And this movie was not kind to Fritz Von Erich, but it was much kinder than it needed to be. They did not get into it enough about how much he was fucking these kids over money-wise. Did not. They kind of was like a line in there about the books not lining up. He was underpaying his kids bad. It was not good. And I don't know who that played Mike Von Erich. Uh, he did a great job. I thought he did a really great job post-accident to Mike to convey that thing. I thought he did a great job. So... Uh, check it out. Uh, the Iron Claw, Mark. I'm your one who hasn't seen it. I would recommend you watch The Iron Claw, but it is sad. So, fair warning. It is you're not gonna feel good about the world after it's over. So, that's what I got this week. Iron Claw. Check it out, Mark. What do you got this week? Yeah, um, been playing, continuing to play more Hell Divers too. It's been really fun. Unfortunately, like you know, it's a it's a Nice problem for the developers to have that, you know, the game has, you know, exceeded their wildest expectations. Um, hence, they've been having major server issues ever since it released, um, which has been annoying. You know, this past weekend, it was particularly difficult to play because the servers were always at capacity. Um, so while that's unfortunate, you know, I think it just really speaks to how fun the game is itself. Um, it obviously, I think, is getting a lot of word of mouth. Um, that's getting a lot of hype. And I think people streaming it and seeing the game played is getting a lot more people interested that never heard of the series or had any interest in it before. So yeah, Helldivers 2 has been really fun. And then this weekend, I too saw a movie. Um, me and the wife saw Madam Web. It is not a... It was enter, I will say it was entertaining. I was entertained throughout. Um, but it is not a good movie. Um, the, script, the script and the acting are pretty poor. Um... I think the premise is interesting and I think some of the younger actresses in there were, I think they did a fairly good job, but was it Dakota Johnson? Who's like the main character. I'd never seen her perform before, but she was very one note throughout the movie. And there's, you know, there's some moments where they're supposed to be high stress or she's in stressful situations. And it really just seems like poor actressing really. Cause it just, I didn't feel like her character was in these scenarios, it just felt like she was an actress reading her lines, pretending to drive an ambulance. Right? Like I didn't feel like she was in the middle of Manhattan weaving through traffic. It just felt like Melissa's well, an actress performing this role to the best of her capabilities, which I don't think were super great. Um, and then again, like there's just some things that I think the movie purposely teases that they don't pay off at all, which I think was really disappointing. But I will say, and I think you know the movie's been getting slammed. Um, but I will say overall, like. I enjoyed watching it. It was kind of like a guilty pleasure type watch. And I was interested to see what was going to ultimately happen. Um, mostly because they kind of mislead you. Like I was excited to see one thing that they kind of skirt over and never really got to and did not pay off in this movie at all. 
which I think was really disappointing. I think obviously maybe they're trying to lead up to a sequel, but it doesn't seem like this movie is going to do well enough to warrant that. So it's probably just going to be dead in the water. Um, that box so that's really disheartening. Correct. But again, like, no. And again, it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't regret spending the money to watch it. I don't regret spending the time. It was fun. Um, but yeah, I just like, I, I think this movie could have done a lot of things right and been really interesting. I think they just didn't really land it. But it's still like, when you have the opportunity to watch this, whether it's free or something, like, I don't think you'll be disappointed in, in spending the time to watch it. You'll And it's a good movie to kind of poke fun at. Like, there's a lot of bad lines. There's a lot of, like I said, stilted acting. The main villain, I think probably 80% of his lines are, um, what, ASMR? Like, they re-recorded them after the fact because half the time he's talking, you see the back of his head. And you can tell, just like the audio just doesn't sound right. They obviously recorded it after the fact. I don't know if there's script changes or what have you, but like there's a lot of things going on here that just didn't really add up and make it as good as it could have been, but it was still enjoyable. And at the end of the day, it's like, ah, it's still kind of fun and interesting. And I don't think it's going to have any replications. I don't think they're going to be following these characters down the road, but if they did, it's, you know, they have some interesting plot points. So we'll see. It's the most positive review of that movie that's existed and it was not good. Yeah. It just came from Mark right there. Um, Mike, did you take us home? What do you got? Uh, so I actually watched a very old movie. I think it's about 45 years old. Uh, I watched Alien for the first time. Ooh. Uh, movie, yeah, I had never seen it before. I was over at my thought, my parents' place this past weekend and randomly on hbo aliens what was on and i watched about half of the movie and i thought in my head you know what i'm gonna go home and watch alien so i did that last night and one the movie came out in 1979 and it definitely shows that it was made in the 70s but it was still a very good movie uh I can see why it's such a uh, seminal, important horror movie. I think at the time it was probably very um, groundbreaking in terms of uh, what type of horror movies could be made. Uh, I thought Sigourney Weaver was awesome. And uh, yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, Probably one of the most lukewarm takes ever. Alien is a good movie. Have you seen Aliens? I have to. I watched about uh, half of it to a quarter of it. Um, I just kind of had it on, and my dad watched it, and I was just on my computer. Not to say I don't know the plot to Aliens, but I've never watched that movie from beginning to end either. Fair enough. Um, okay, uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, Got that all in an hour and a half. A lot of stuff going on. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. As always, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be back next week. See who is likely the number one contender for our new champion at 145 pounds. Probably seeing who's the number one contender for 125 pounds, too, the way we're looking at it. Seems like we're just all headed towards a Pantoja versus Moreno. Or, I mean, oh, man, they can't put Pantoja versus Royval, right? Why? I mean, I don't know why I find that one more objectionable. But at least Pantoja versus Moreno was a close fight. Uh, it was a split. Um, 
We have a... Oh, we do not have a break. We have that terrible card the Saudis would not take um, happening the following week for the UFC. Headlined by the Biggie Boy versus I don't know who Shamil Gaziev is. Um, so cool, 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 cool. So we'll talk about that, maybe, possibly. Um, yeah, it's real bad. It is terrible. It's a terrible card. And then Umar Nurmagomedov is just in the middle of this fight night card, in the middle of fucking the Apex on a fucking Saturday. God, I. Oh, I hate the Apex so much. How do they know who to push? How do they know? If they don't hear the crowd react. It's an honest question. Like, did they know Marab was that big of a deal with the crowd until this weekend? Did were they maybe aware? They look, maybe they look at metrics or something. Do we believe social media these people on fucking so Twitter's not real? This isn't real. Twitter's like all bots and right wing schmucks. Like these aren't real fucking things. Like I'm sorry, this may extend the podcast another half an hour. How the fuck they're doing? How do they know? It's like when they asked fucking Jericho, Jericho was talking about during the pandemic, uh, do people ask me if it's going well? He's like, I don't know. There's no crowd. How am I supposed to tell you if this is going well? Don't know. Jamal Hill gets silence for what it's worth. I learned that. I know that much. <laughs> people at least boo Ian Gary. You got to, ah, whatever. Anyway, we'll be back next week to talk about that. Um, we'll see what happened to the Bellator PFL card. Um, see if Ryan Bader is going to be sacrificed to Francis Ngannou or not. Think we're getting close to Ngannou versus Anthony Joshua, by the way. Think we're a couple weeks away from that as well, because I saw a face-off with them uh, that DAZN did. Uh, I want to say early March for that one as well. Something to get excited about. Until then, I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. Happy President's Day to you all. This bullshit holiday. Peace out. Goodbye. Tip. Door for banks. That is correct. <laughs> um, when they did the uh, amputated foot thing for Carrie, that was some solid fucking CGI. I think the entire CGI budget was making that foot disappear. My dude was wearing just a big green sock, I'm imagining, or something. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. <laughs> See ya.